Happy Monday. The beginning of another week, another opportunity for us to be the best that we possibly can be. Getting everything ready here. I've been talking about this idea of happiness, empowerment, other separate words, but we're going to use them, at least for now, in one general area. And where we left off last time, oh yeah, today's 100, yesterday was 99, okay. So happy 100th anniversary for those that are joining us on the, on the show. If you've came at any point, you're part of our, of our celebration. Thank you very much for those that, are, that have been with us for a while. It means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to Andy. Um, and may we continue. May we continue to grow and, and gain and, and become better people than we were yesterday. And for those who are joining us early or recently, you know, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that we get to continue together. Um, we are in the middle right now of this conversation that we're having about empowerment and happiness. We spent last week trying to disassociate it with materialism, showing how really the stuff that we have isn't, isn't, by, isn't directly causing us to be happy, right? There isn't a, there isn't a causative relationship. It doesn't cause us to be happy. It may be correlative. It may be a factor in making us happy, but it doesn't cause us to be happy. And if you look at some of the happiest countries, they, they aren't necessarily the wealthiest. If you look at some of the most unhappy company, there are people that live under the poverty line. There's no question that materialism up to a certain point is required for basic happiness. If you don't have shelter, if you don't have food, if you don't have health, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to impede general satisfaction. But once you get past the basics, the difference between having more or less on its own doesn't matter. But we have to now reconcile, like, how does that work? It, it seems like it doesn't, it seems like it, I'd like that to be true, but it's not, tr like, is it true? Like, I don't know, when I get stuff, I'm happier. It seems like I'm striving for things. How does that not make me happy? And the answer is that it's not causative. It's not a direct relationship. In order for something to make you happy, it has to go through something. And if you've been with me at least for 60 episodes or 30 episodes, but probably more like 50, you, you understand that this is the stuff that we've been working on early on called schema and how the, the mind is actually filtering in the world. We're not seeing the world around us. We're seeing the world around us through a context, through a filter, through a perception mechanism called our schema. And as a result, what we are experiencing isn't really the world. What we are experiencing is the, our perception of the world. And why is that so critical for? And the answer is because if I have something and it goes through a schema of unhappiness or disempowerment, then when I digest it, it'll go through that mechanism. So if in my pipe, 
there is some dirt. I can, I can, I can flow through the most incredible natural water of all time. By the time it gets to my cup, it's going to be dirty. The water wasn't the problem. It's the dirt that was the problem. If my pipe is filled with not only clean, not only, not only is it clean, but if it has a tinge of, let's say, sugar, regardless of its health benefits, if I put water through it, it's going to taste sweeter. It's like those kids that have those sugar straws, right? When, you, when it goes through, it's sweeter. There's a famous rabbi named Rabbi Gamliel. He was one of the greatest rabbis. Actually, no, it's Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Judah the Prince. He was one of the greatest leaders in antiquity. He actually compiled what we know as the, as the, as the Mishnah. At his, he was one of the wealthiest men in Israel at the time. One of his closest friends was the Roman emperor who had a summer home near his home and dug out a tunnel so that they would be able to they would be able to meet because at that point, the Romans and Jews it would be beneath the Roman. And on his deathbed, Rabbi Judah said that I did not benefit from this world, even my smallest pinky. He was the wealthiest man in town. What he was saying was that I didn't, I didn't need the materialism. I wasn't controlled by the materialism. It wasn't that he didn't eat. It wasn't that he didn't live in his home. It wasn't that he didn't get the clothing that was washed by his, by his, um, uh, his household of people that took care of him. It was, I was in control. The pipes that I put in myself for digesting the outside world was spiritual. And so I was able to digest the world in the most empowered way. Yesterday we spoke about the bridge and how the bridge really is the control of the city. If you want to control a city, you control the bridges. In the old days, when they would want to destroy cities that had walls around them, and they didn't have drones back then, they didn't have F-16s back then, there was no air force. They were fighting with like, you know, sticks and stones and swords. So they, you just couldn't penetrate for any long period of time a fortified city, so they would lay siege they controlled the ins and the outs of the city. And when they controlled the ins and outs, at some point, the city caved. If you could control the bridges of your mind, your eyes, your ears, even, even in a way, that first thought that pops into your mind, well, that's more complicated. What, what, that, what that exercise really is doing is saying, I can't control the world, but what I can do is I can try to clean the pipe. And if my pipes are clean, if my bridges are clean, that means if I am able to control what I am seeing and not seeing, if I'm able to block out the negative in my life, I'm able to be aware of negativity, and I can now start to control what comes in and comes out, the next level up from there is I need to now be proactive in building the right bridge and the right tunnel and the right pipe. That's the game here of happiness. I'm, happiness is not, I necessarily need to restrict myself from the entire world because if I do that too much, I'm really going to be unhappy. 
happiness is more a game of controlling the pipes. And we begin to control the pipes by knocking out the bed. Like everything in life, you begin to control the bed. If you have a pipe that's bringing water into your home and the water is muddy, you begin by cleaning out the pipe. Once you've done that, now you could, I'm not saying you're gonna do this, but once you do that, you can now, let's say add a filter or do something else to make the water cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. So yesterday we discussed this concept, which is so critical, but, but this by the way, why, the reason why this is so important is because when we try to control the world, we fail. When we can try to control our spouse, we fail. When we try to control our children, we fail. When we try to control God, we fail. People are walking around faithless. Not because they want to be faithless, not because they want the world to be random. They don't want there to be some divine being. They want everything to just be random. No, it's because they're trying to control God. They're trying to get in their heads. Well, if this happened, then there must not be a God. They're trying to like in their heads control how he runs the world. And if they don't understand it and they can't figure it out, then it must not be. We, we're constantly trying to control things because we don't know of anything else. And we don't appreciate the fact that the only thing we can control is our schema. We have no control in the outside world. We can't control the score. We can't control the game. We can't control whether or not we win. We can't control whether or not they'll listen. We can't control any of these things. What we can control is our reaction, our perspective. This is some of the great works of a man named Viktor Frankl and his work, Man's Search for Meaning, Logotherapy, where he speaks about this when he was in the, in the, in the, 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 the depths of, of, of Nazi Germany in the camps and it dawned on him, they took away everything, his clothing, his life, his everything, but they could not take away his response. That was the one thing that is uniquely his. That is the one thing that God gives us, which is uniquely ours, even though he's everywhere. This is called free will. You have the freedom to determine what your response is, what that pipe looks like. What is in that bridge? And so there's a game we play with ourselves in the world of happiness. The first game is what's the negativity, negativity coming in my mind? And that, by the way, isn't just the bridge. It's also like right behind the bridge, right? It's my expectations. It's the neuroplasticity of negativity. It's the things around me that are gearing me towards wanting more. You know, as a guy I knew who was growing in his financial success. And he told me as he was doing it that he had to shut down a lot of his exposure to social media and a lot of his exposure, believe it or not, to even charitable events. It was an incredible story. Um, he's a young guy and he was very much connected to, to study. In this particular case was Torah study. He was learning, he was growing uh, spiritually, his wife, his children, and they started to really make money. He started a business. He didn't think it would take off that much and it did. And as he started this business, he 
became exposed to a new group. But in this case, the group didn't come because he was like out partying at night. It came because they got involved with more organizations. So an organization would sort of sniff that he had more money and they would, and he would get invited to new parties. These were charitable events. He wasn't hanging out in the Hamptons. He was going to like a charity function. But as he got to the charity function, he went to someone's backyard. And it's all wonderful. But he went to someone's backyard and he was like, I want this. And he went to someone's and he I want this. And as these events were increasing in its, um, in its materialism, and I'm not judging them. I'm just telling you his perspective. He found that he needed more of it. So he was finding himself less satisfied with a life that he never dreamed of having already. And he literally told me he had to shut down his social media, all the WhatsApp groups he was on and charitable events. And he gave his charity through a, uh, he, he, there was this young rabbinical student who was an expert in the laws of charity. And he put him in charge of the money he was making and he didn't do any of it. He gave people money if he saw them on the street. He was, without realizing he was protecting him, he was protecting the, for him, the tunnel the negativity that he was feeling. There's a positive approach to this. And the positive approach to this is that we can't protect ourselves. And by the way, it doesn't necessarily mean that the people that are living less are living happier. It doesn't mean that. It means you have to learn how to digest materialism. That's the greatest struggle here. It's almost easier to say, I'm going to live on a mountaintop away from everything. I'm going to give up my possessions and I'm going to be materialism-less. That's challenging in its own right, but in a way it could almost be intellectually easier than dealing with, I have to balance being in a world where there's materialism and then balance being happy with everything that I have. So in doing so, we've got to clean the pipes. And the most powerful way of cleaning the pipes is through something called gratitude. This is the work of, of um, two psychologists named Emmons and McCullough. Michael McCullough was a University of Miami professor. And the two of them, Emmons and McCullough, did an incredible amount of research. So the first thing that Professor McCullough realized was that grateful people, when he looked at people, they're happier, they're more optimistic, and they're more satisfied. And his co-professor or his co-researcher, a guy named Robert Emmons, Emmons and McCullough, who's, Emmons is from University of California at Davis and McCullough's from Miami. They did this incredibly long study on gratitude. And what they did was they created a study group where they had people wrote, write down things that make them, that they were grateful for. These are called gratitude journals. Tal Ben Shachar is also very big into gratitude journals. I remember seeing him once at a, at a, a conference on happiness and he literally, he pulled out of his pocket a little notebook. It was incredible. And he said, last night's gratitude journal, I'm gratitude for my wife. And, and he literally wrote it down. It's awesome. Harvard professor. He's, he takes the time to do his little gratitude journals. Those of you who are journaling, you're getting the world of um, identifying and articulating your thoughts. So this concept 
what they would do is they would take these group, two groups of people and for one group of people, they had them do gratitude journals. I think it was 20 minutes or so, or whatever it was, they had them regularly write down things they were grateful for. And then they compared them against the control group. And they found the people that took gratitude journals and took their gratitude seriously, they were more optimistic, they exercised more, they slept better. They reported, and this is crazy stuff. This is all, I mean, we can, I can post some of this stuff, but this is all from this. I mean, I think Andy's already posting. When the people that kept these weekly journals, they had fewer physical symptoms. They felt better about their lives. They were more optimistic about the future. They recorded over time less hassles. And just by, and this is, the, I, there's a quote that I saw. I'm going to actually quote this. This is great. Um, this is a quote by Robert Emmons. I'm going to put this on our chat here. And Andy, um, please put this on the Facebook chat as well. And I'll read this out together. Listen to this. And if those who are watching on Instagram or LinkedIn or YouTube, um, just email me charlie at charlieharari.com and I will send it to you. This is from Robert Emmons. If you want a strategy to increase your happiness, there's a lot out there that will help you. You can take pharmaceuticals like Prozac, but gratitude is something that doesn't have any side effects, right? You can take medication if you want, but what gratitude does is gratitude actually sort of like zeroes in and starts to shift our minds to to learn how to grapple with the world around us. So you have to understand why this works now. And let's, we're going to get to what to do in a minute. But before we do that, I want to, because we're going to talk about this tomorrow, obviously. I want to just begin the process of explaining why this works. Gratitude is this like a super emotion, right? You know, they have this thing called superfoods. where like, if you eat like kale, I guess, like, I think there's like a list of like superfoods. I think I would eat almonds is one of them for sure. For those, for the, I don't know if there are anyone here that's almond lovers. And, you know, since it is the morning, I might as well just, you know, begin the process of coffee and almonds. Um, but apparently almonds is superfood, just letting you know. So superfoods are like, they have like multiple benefits to them. So there's a concept called super emotion that I just made up. Um, I didn't make it up saying that the, I just made up the term. So why is gratitude considered that gratitude is like a double benefit, right? I'm calling it a super emotion. Why? Because when you're grateful for something, you're not only connecting deeper to the thing itself, you're appreciating it more. You're also connecting deeper to the thing where in which it comes. If I say, thank you for a lollipop, not only do I enjoy my lollipop more because I appreciate the thing I'm about to engage in, I also have connected it to something. It's one of the only things in which one emotion connects you to two different things. But it's bigger than that. And this is what we're going to talk about with God's help tomorrow. The power of gratitude. It's not like a nice thing. Gratitude is not like, yeah, just be grateful. I knew that. We don't know that. And there's a reason why it took me like, you know, eight days to get here. Because once we build, we'll understand that gratitude is actually the filtering system for our lives. 
when you clean the pipe out of negativity and competition and you got a clean pipe, the water isn't, the water's still filled with stuff. When you put a filter in, now the water's cleaner, that filter in life is gratitude. And, and, and if we don't get this, where we're like, holy mackerel, I've got in my brain like a manufacturing facility that's better than Prozac. Why am I not pumping it out all day? When we're done, we should be like ready to like unleash the nuclear reactor of gratitude to wash our brains every day because it's the greatest gift that we have. So this is what we're going to do. For those that are, those that have been journaling, add this to the journal. And for those that haven't been journaling, then journal this. Here's what we're going to do together. Let's start with two things and we're going to increase ourselves. If you're journaling every day, just write at the end of the journal two things that you're grateful for that day. Two things, but make them real. You don't have to do a paragraph. Think, feel gratitude and write them down. And then we'll start the process together of this. We're going to do the work. Why not? Let's just roll. Pretend like we're like in a college campus and some professor is giving us like, you know, three credits and some cookies for this, right? This is, this is straight out of the academic journals. We're just going to be guinea pigs. Let's journal together. Let's gratitude journal together every day. And by doing that, we're going to start to appreciate these impacts and we're going to talk about them and ultimately we're going to see together just how powerful gratitude really is okay excited have an incredible day and for god's help i cannot wait to see you again tomorrow